Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. This one shouldn't be too hard. This is scripture that shouldn't be too hard to find. Amen. <laughs> Hopefully for you. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. And I want to show you some things about Cain and Abel this morning. But specifically, specifically, I want to, I want to focus on Abel. And Adam knew his wife, or excuse me, and Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. He says here that in verse 2, she again bare his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And I want to show you this morning how, uh, how important Abel is. And uh, Abel doesn't get a lot of attention from Christians. Now Cain gets a lot of attention, and, and, and the Bible goes on. Of course, Cain lived. That helps a lot, doesn't it? That Cain didn't get murdered like Abel was murdered by Cain. And uh, verse 3, I'm going to show you this. In verse 3, And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and, his, and to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Now, Verse 3 tells us that Cain was doing things with his hands. He was a working man. He was going out and he was tilling. He was t taking the instruments they had at those time, in those days. And he was uh, tilling, making, hoeing up uh, the rows, getting the seed ready, planting the seed, probably carrying buckets of water, irrigating, doing all the things that he was doing to work. Now Abel, in verse 4, he just would tend a flock. Make sure that, that nobody came along, and just, he, but he would just tend to flock. And what Cain did, Cain took all these vegetables that he had grown, all this, 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 these, uh, the fruit of his own hand, and he took it, all the work he had done, the sweat of his brow, and he took this, these vegetables and he came to God and he tried to approach God and give God this sacrifice. Now all Abel did, all Abel did there in verse 4 is Abel, he brought, brought the firstlings of his flock, which would be the best, and of the fat thereof. He, he, he takes the best lamb he has, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering. So all Abel does is take the best lamb he has, and he's going to take this lamb, he's going to kill it, he's going to shed its blood, and he's going to present it, present it to God. Verse 5, But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. God didn't like what Cain did. But God respected what Abel did. Verse 6, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. So verse 7, he says, And if thou doest well, God has a way that he thinks is well. And God has a way that he thinks is not well. He has his own way, and the world has their way, and man has their way. And God says, I don't want it that way. I want it this way, this way, this very way. That's the way I want it. See, God had already explained to him what he wanted. God doesn't leave you in the dark where you have to guess. God had already told him and showed uh, Cain and Abel's dad and mom what he wanted, that he wanted the sacrifice. He wanted a sacrifice of, of, of blood, and that's what he wanted, and Cain didn't do what he was supposed to do. He, he went on his own way. And what we find out from the very beginning, because Cain gets mad because God's not happy with him, 
We found out from the very beginning that God doesn't give out participation trophies. God doesn't say, well, you tried your best. I'm going to give you a trophy. God says, no, I want you to do it this way and any other way. It don't matter how much of the best you're given. It's not what I want. Amen. You can shed your own blood doing it your way, and it's not going to be well with me. See, and he says there, if thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. He said, if you'll just do what I want you to do, don't you know I'll accept you? See, it, it's a simple thing that people don't like. If you do the right thing, God will be happy with you. If you do the wrong thing, God's not going to be happy with you. Uh, the world don't like that. They're like, well, I want to do it my way. I don't like to do it. I don't like your rights, and I don't like your wrongs. And God says, oh, it don't matter. This is right. And this is wrong. Do us, do us this, and the other thing will be well. And I'll accept you. If you don't do it this way, and you do it your own way, I'm not going to be accepted. Look, if thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. If thou doest not well, here's, here it is. Sin lieth at the door. Amen. See, God's describing sin as a crouching lion. Like you're walking out your door, and there's sin. It's just crouching, and what it wants to do is it wants to just jump up and grab you and devour you. Isn't that a good description of sin in our life? It's always waiting for us. As soon as we think, I got this figured out, or you think, well, I've gotten over that sin, or you're getting, you're getting this thing under control, and then it just flares up, man. And it is like, sin is like a crouching lion. It just attacks you from behind, and just before you know it, it just starts killing you. And he says that. He says, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Sin like a lion is crouched outside your door ready to pounce on you, but you can tame it. That's what God's saying in verse 7. These shall be, done, be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. You can tame the lion of sin. You can tame him. But we don't like to tame him. We don't want to tame him. Can you think about trying to tame a lion, what that would be like? I bet that wouldn't be as easy as training a dog. And dog's hard enough to train sometimes, right? Can you imagine, what do you do when, you when, you're, when you're taming a lion? Well, you've got to get a whip. And if you're like me, I always see them using a chair. I don't know why, what the chair's for. Is it just to keep them from getting killed or something? But they got a chair out there. I'm thinking of maybe circuses and carnivals. They get a chair out there. Then they got that whip. Don't look fun. And even then, have you seen those, uh, and you can go on any kind of video platform, and they'll always have videos of one of those lions turning on that guy, and, and they have to get him off and killing the guy or whatever, because he's not tame enough. It's hard to tame sin. Amen. But what I'm trying to show you this morning, and I'm going to show you this morning, hopefully, the Lord allow it, is that Abel, Abel is one of our forefathers as a Christian. If you're a born-again believer in this church, Abel is one of your forefathers. Because what these verses show you is, there's only really truly two religions in the world. There's only really two forefathers for religion in the world. Only two. Now, people will say, well, there's thousands of religions. No, well, there's thousands of names. But really in type, in Action in doing and what you're doing and how you could go how you approach God. There's truly only two ways Amen. to approach God. Now, every other religion in the world approaches God in this way. And the way they try to approach God is the way Cain approached God. They approach God doing. Doing works. You gotta do something. 
you got to do this and you got to do that. It's a doing. It's a continual doing. And they try to approach God in their works and their own righteousness and what they're doing and what they're not doing. And you do this and you don't do that. And they're do it's all about doing. That's the 99% of the religion. That's all the religions in the world except for one religion. And the one religion I'm talking about that's not like that is the religion's name is Christianity. And Christianity is different in, in a very, very unique way. That's what makes us very unique, guys, is we have a religion of done. It's been done. The blood is shed. The sacrifice is done. We didn't have no part of it. We just, we just come to God with that blood. It's been done. It's not a doing. It's not our works. See, there's only two types of religion in the world. There's only two types of ways to, ways to approach God and to, to worship God. And there's one is a doing, the other is the doing which is Cain, the other is done which is Abel. There's one that is works which, which is Cain, working by the sweat of your brow, trying to get the vegetables ready to take to him. The other is grace. Amen. One is you got to earn it. Christianity is it gives it to you. Abel's way is it gives it to you. One way is you must, we must live it. Christianity is we must kill it. We must die. That's Abel's way. One is, God, look what I've done with the fruit of my hands. Look what I've done. And Christianity, Abel's way is, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. See, there's only two ways. And Abel is our spiritual forefather. Abel is showing us, Abel from the very beginning is showing us as Christians what kind of life we have to live. And we need to live for God, which is a life through Jesus Christ. If you're a born-again Christian in here, Abel is your spiritual forefather. Abel understands and believes what God has told him. See, Abel, just like Cain, Cain was just like Abel. Cain knew what God expected. But Cain didn't want to go that way. And Cain decided, I, I want to do it my way. Because surely God will be a lot more happy with me if he, if he knows that I spent hours and hours and hours tilling and dealing with this garden and pulling out all the weeds and getting the, getting, the, uh, getting the fruit and getting the vegetables ready and taking them to God. But God from the very beginning said it's got to be the blood. In Leviticus he says, to, he says to the Jews in Leviticus, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you, the blood, upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood, the blood that maketh atonement for the soul. Amen. God has told them from the very beginning and told Adam and Eve, it's got to be the blood. If you're going to approach me, you've got to give me a sacrifice of blood because it's the blood that you shed that makes an atonement that makes us be able to get together as one, atonement. You heard the saying, you can't get blood from a turnip. This is where you're getting it from. God wants and requires blood, and there's no work you can do to give him that blood. Amen. You can't get blood from a turnip. And God, Cain, in his ignorance, thought he could bring it to God, and God looks down at that turnip and says, there's no blood. Amen. I require blood. Why are you mad, Cain? Why are you angry? 
If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. Leave those vegetables there. Go back and get a lamb. Kill it. Bring me the blood. And you'll be doing well. From the very beginning, this was going on. And today, it's exactly what's going on today in the world. The world doesn't like that. The world accuses us of, being a, of having a bloody religion. It's all about blood. You preach about the blood. You sing about the blood. It's the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood. You even have some preachers, some famous preachers say it wasn't about the blood. It was about the death of Christ. No, it's all about the blood of Christ. And he shed his blood on the cross. And the prophecies weren't that he was going to die. It was that he was going to be pierced. It was going to be about the blood being shed. It, that's the prophecies that Jesus Christ was fulfilling. It was all about being the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That's what the prophecies were all about. It wasn't about just him dying. See, in truth, in reality, uh, if he was going to be killed by the Romans, which the prophecy was, if he was going to be killed by the Romans, he should have been stoned to death. He should, I mean, by the Jews. If, if he was going to be killed by the Jews, which the prophecy was he was going to be killed by his own people, the, 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 the way he should have been killed was by stoning. Because the Jews, their capital punishment was stoning. Amen. But the Bible says not a bone of his, not, not a bone, he wasn't going to have a bone broken. He was going to be pierced. All this stuff. What the Bible is prophesying wasn't stoning. It was the Jews killed him through the instrument of the Roman Empire. And their instrument they used was crucifixion. And when they came up to finish their crucifixion like they did with every one of them and break the legs so they go into shock and die quicker, they came to Jesus Christ. Oh, look, I think he's already dead. Give me that spear. They thrust it in his side. They pierced him and water and blood came out and gave the testimony that he is dead. He's dead on that cross. His blood has completely come run out. We don't have to break his legs. Not a bone will be broken. Abel began this. Abel is our spiritual forefather. And he was showing from the very beginning that God's only going to accept you when you approach him through the death of something and it's got to be brought with blood. That's how it is. Let's look at verse 8. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. His flat killed him. The first murder recorded in the Bible was Cain killing Abel. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Kind of being a smart aleck to the Lord. And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Amen. Mm. Crieth unto me from the ground. Do you know the Lord doesn't ask you a question that he don't already have the answer for? Amen. <laughs> You sit there all through the gospel where Jesus Christ would ask him a question and he already knows the answer. That's scary. You ever been around a teacher in school that was like that? Or a parent that was like that? Who got into the cookie jar? They're asking you, but they know who got into the cookie jar. They're going to see if you're going to be honest or not. Boy, it's hard. It's hard. You're trying to think, oh, do, do I tell them the truth or do I, do I lie? Do I, you know, that's God. And he's, he's confronting Cain about that. Now turn... Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. And I'm going to show you that the Bible has a lot to say about Abel. A lot more than we realize, I bet you. He, look at Hebrews chapter 11. 
Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. So Abel is dead. Abel is the uh, first martyr recorded in history to die for what he believed. And notice he died doing it the right way. The majority of people that die for, a little re- for the religion, they die trying to do it God's way, not the other way around. You try, they try to do it uh, God's way and the other way, the false way. Cain's way, the people that follow Cain's way, they tend to kill people like me and you that are trying to follow God's way, Abel's way. You ever notice that? Now, I know there might be some people underneath the sound of my voice that might say, well, 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 pastor. Christianity, Christianity, there's been more people killed by the cause of Christianity than any other kind. They'll go, they'll go on and on about that. And my, my answer to them, but, 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 are those so-called Christians, you're calling Christians, Were they doing it Cain's way or do they do it Abel's way? These so-called Christians that have crusades in the name of Christ, do they teach to do it Abel's way or Cain's way? Do they teach that you got to be doing something and keep doing something and do it and doing and doing? Or do they teach it like Abel said, which is you got to go by the blood, only by the blood, and it's done? If you don't know the answer to that, I'll tell you. It's Cain's way. They do it Cain's way. The Catholic Church does it Cain's way. All the ones that brought about the Crusades, those aren't Christians. Those are Canaanites. (laughs) In the truest sense of the world. Now, the world don't like for you to say that. And I'm not saying that uh, that some Catholics aren't saved. There aren't some born-again Catholics in the Catholic system. But the system itself, the Catholic system itself teaches you you've got to do things. It's a doing, it's a doing, it's a doing. And from the very beginning, God says, you're not going to be doing anything. It's already done. You've got to be like Abel. You've got to bring the blood. It's got to be the blood. So before you start accusing Christians of killing somebody, why don't you look at who a Christian really is and who a Christian really isn't? Just because somebody takes on the cloak of Christianity doesn't make them a Christian. You might have a wolf in sheep's clothing. Amen, 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 amen. Amen. <laughs> amen. You know, you get, you get stepping on people's toes about this stuff because well, I've got a real good friend that's a Catholic. They probably are, and they're probably, they might be saved. I'm not attacking them. I'm attacking a system. I'm attacking a way of doing things. I'm attacking a, the way Cain came to God and God said, that's not acceptable. But we just say, well, let's let them get by. Let's give them a, a participation trophy. They're trying to do the right thing. God says, no. It's not well with me. No. If you go and do well, you'll be accepted. Go back and get the blood and come back. But I, I love God, and I want to go to God this way. I want to go to God through Mary, and I want to go. No! That's not well. Can you get that through your thick head that God has only one way? He's, Jesus Christ said, I am the way. Not a way. I am the way, the truth, the life. No man coming to the Father but by me. When you see that God works this way, a singular way, you need to find out, well, what way is that? 
Well, Abel shows us from the very beginning. He's our spiritual forefather. He shows us from the very beginning. It's a way that comes through the blood and the death and the sacrifice. Not through our works, not through the work of our hands. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witnesses that he was righteous. The Bible, Bible confirms again that Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain to God. It was a more excellent sacrifice. And how did Abel do that? By faith. By faith, Abel. By faith that you put in the precious blood of Jesus Christ, God will find you acceptable. He will accept that. By faith that you put in the precious blood of Jesus Christ is how you're saved. And it's a more excellent way. It's a more excellent sacrifice. By faith, Abel offered, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witnesses that he was righteous. When you put your faith in the precious blood of Jesus Christ, God says, I'll count you as righteous. Amen. I'm not righteous. Yeah, but I know I'm not righteous. But it's because I put my faith in, as a, in the sacrifice of the precious blood of Jesus Christ, my faith, like Abel, in, in a sacrifice of blood, God counted as righteousness. Amen. Romans chapter 4. Abel is our forefather. He's our spiritual forefather. He was murdered for believing this. And the world, if they had the chance, and I believe this every day, more and more every day, if the world has a chance, they would murder you for believing it. Amen. That Jesus Christ is the only way and His blood is the only way. Amen. God testifies, testifying of His gifts. We read it. God said, Cain, I don't accept it, but I accept Abel. And by it... He, he being dead, yet speaketh. Abel, this, Abel the, poor, the poor brother Abel, 2000, we're in 2020, 2020, he's still speaking through me today to you. Amen. You got to bring a sacrifice of blood. You don't do anything. It's a, It's done. It's not a doing, it's a done. It's not a works, it's grace. It's not a earn it, you got to kill it. And he speaketh yet today. God accepts the blood, but not Cain's works. Pretty obvious, we've, we've figured that out. Abel is righteous and offered an excellent sacrifice. Cain, Cain, the Bible says, was wicked. Well, he was trying to approach God. He believed in God. He approached God. He even gave God a gift. And God said, you're wicked. You're not doing well. You say, what did the Bible say is wicked? Look at first, you don't have to turn there, but first John, first John chapter three, verse 11. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning that we should love one another. Verse 12, first John three, 12. Not as Cain. Cain was of that wicked one. Cain was of the devil. Cain was of that wicked one and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Why did he kill Abel? Because his own works were evil. And his brother's righteous. That's 1 John 3, 12. Look it up. The Bible says that Cain was of the wicked one and his works, that, that stuff he brought that he thought was such a great gift that God would love, God says in the Bible to the Holy Spirit through John says, that was evil. Amen. 
So when I get up here and I start saying different denominations or I pick out some religion or some, uh, some teaching like I just did with the Catholic Church, I say, that's evil. People get all, they get all bothered. And, but it's evil. Amen. The Bible says that way is evil. That's the way of Cain. We don't want to go the way of Cain. That we're going to do what God, we're going to do what we want to do and God just better accept it. God don't have to accept it. He says your work is evil. But he gave you good news in that verse in Genesis 4 because he told Cain, listen Cain, if you do as well, won't you be accepted? He didn't say, hey, that's it. I'm done with you, Cain. Get out of here. I never want to accept anything from you. I'm done talking to you. I don't want to have anything. No, God said, just Cain, go back and do what I want you to do which has come to me and approached me through the blood of a sacrifice. Because it's the blood, we read it in Leviticus, it's the blood that makes atonement for the soul. Amen. Between me and you, at one minute. Not your works, not your vegetables, not anything you think you're going to do for me. I don't care what you've done for me. I don't care how many times you go to church or how much money you give in the offering plate. God says, I don't care about none of that. It's all about the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being yet dead, yet speaketh. Abel's still speaking today. But who's listening? Who's listening? You say he's dead, how's he speaking? Well, I know some of y'all have, had some great, have some dead uh, grandparents and they're speaking to you. Amen. They speak to you how to live a holy life. They speak to you how to love. Let's just be practical. Your grandmother, some of you ladies here, your grandmother's still speaking to you how to, how to cook a good meal. How to sew up, a, how to sew up some, mend up some clothes. How to wash your dishes right. Some of you men, your grandfathers, they taught you how to, how, how to, how to turn a wrench. He's still speaking to you every time you turn the wrench and say righty, righty tighty, lefty loosey. He's speaking to you. Somebody, somebody spoke to you, and he's still speaking to you. Abel spoke all those years later, and he's still speaking to us today. Amen. Even though dead, yet he speaketh. Amen. Yet he speaketh. Keep your hand here in Hebrews, but go to Matthew 23. I'm going to show you something else, what Jesus Christ has to say about this. We're going to be coming back to Hebrews in a minute, but look at Matthew chapter 23. Matthew 23. <clears throat> 23, verse 34. We're going to come back to Hebrews in just a second, but I want to show you something. Another thing about Abel, because I'm kind of focusing on just Abel and what, what, his life, what his life meant and what we can glean from just studying Abel. And another thing we can study about Abel and find out about Abel is Abel's story is about blood. His whole story is about blood. It's not just about blood, it's a sacrifice and the sacrifice of blood. And look at Matthew chapter 23, look at verse 34. And Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ here speaking. Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them shall ye scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city. Why? Verse 35. That upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Barachias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. 
Jesus Christ said two things there about Abel. He said his blood is going to be avenged and he was righteous. Amen. So that blood, remember what God said about that blood back in Genesis 4? I'll read it to you again just in case you forgot. Genesis 4, back in verse 10, he said, And he said to Cain, he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. He said, That blood's cried out to me. What was Abel's blood crying out? Vengeance! Amen. I've been murdered for doing right. Vengeance! Amen. Amen. Did, Abel have a right, did Abel's blood have a right to cry that? Yeah! He did everything right in God's eyes. He was accepted in God. He gave him the blood that God wanted, and he did doing everything right. He turned around, and he was murdered for it. Amen. And God says, where's your brother? Oh, am I my brother's keeper? Your, his blood's crying out to me. What did that blood cry? Vengeance! That blood cries today. There's a payday someday, Cain. That blood cried out what God said later on to Moses. That blood cried out. There's, a, there, there's not only a payday someday, but be sure your sin will find you out. Amen. That blood cries that out to this very day. God bless America. God bless America for what? There's millions of aborted babies and their blood is crying out to God. Amen. Where's my life? My life's been took from me. Vengeance! Vengeance! And they have a right to cry that. Amen. Abel had the right to cry that. An innocent, unborn baby being slaughtered and murdered in the womb. The blood sucked out of there and thrown in a dumpster and that blood cries out from landfills all over America. Vengeance! Vengeance! And it has a right to cry that. Amen. And that's why it speaks today. That blood's still speaking today. And Jesus Christ says, That blood that was shed, verse 35, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zacharias. God says, see this generation right here? They're going to answer for all that blood that was shed. There's a payday someday is what Jesus Christ just said there. And boy, was there. Because when they killed Christ, and what did they say with Christ? They killed Jesus Christ, their king, and he was trying to bring up, uh, uh, Pilate was trying to let him loose. And what did they say? We have no king but Caesar. What was the very next thing they said? Let his blood be on us and on our children. Let his blood be on us and on our children. Now, I love history, and if, I don't know if you know much about history, but I want you to look at history. Has Jesus Christ's blood been on the Jews? It has been for 2,000 years. They've been chased from one end of this earth to another, been murdered, slaughtered, blamed from everything to the stock market crashing, to the banks being crooked. They're blamed for everything. And they're killed. They were killed by the millions by Hitler. Hitler Hitler's not the one that killed the Jews. The German people killed the Jews. The Polish people killed the Jews. The American people killed the Jews. Nobody did a thing when they took the Jews away. Nobody cared. Kill them all. They're just a blight on society. Jesus Christ's blood has been on those people for 2,000 years. 2,000 years. And Jesus Christ, just he just prophesied. All that blood that was shed from Abel 
All the way up to Zion. That's coming on you right here, this generation. That generation? Well, when Jesus Christ was crucified, and then when, right after that he resurrected, what happened? Titus came in, and he slaughtered the whole nation. They said they tried to cram down into the temple, and it, that, that, that the Romans were killing them by the hundreds of thousands. Destroyed their whole nation. Took the temple stones and pushed them off looking for gold. Completely flattened it out. 2,000 years, 2000 years later, they still don't have a temple. The richest people in the world still don't have their temple. Amen. They have paid for that blood. Amen. And the righteous blood of Abel, Abel, it cries out from the very beginning, vengeance. There's a payday someday. Be sure your sin will find you out. We're so ignorant, we don't, we, don't, we don't comprehend what God's doing. We think we're going to get away with it. People think they can do what they want to do, and God's not watching. God's not going to pay them back. God will pay you back. Amen. You will pay for your sins. That's a warning from the Scripture. Here's another part where Christ was talking about this in Luke. Luke chapter 11. I'm going to read that to you. Luke chapter 11, verse 47. Something interesting he says about Abel here. Luke chapter, uh, chapter 11, verse 47. Here's something that Christ says about Abel here that maybe a lot of us didn't realize. Luke chapter 11, verse 47. He says here, Woe unto you, for you build the sepulchres of the prophets, and your fathers killed them. Truly you bear witness that you allow the deeds of your fathers, for they indeed killed them, and you build their sepulchres. Therefore, therefore also said the wisdom of God, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they shall slay and persecute. That the blood of all the prophets, which was shed from the foundation of the world, may be required of this generation. Amen. Verse 51. From the blood of Abel, Unto the blood of Zacharias, which perished between the altar and the temple, bear less unto you. It shall be required of this generation. Amen. God's going to require the blood of the nation of America. Amen. We've warned them. We've told them how wicked abortion was. We've told them. We have celebrities that just stood up last week. Maybe it was last week, a week before. Just stood up. Some celebrity stood up in this nation. And said, if it wasn't for me being having the right to choose, I wouldn't be where I'm at today and be able to accept this reward, this award. She was bragging that she had an abortion and killed her unborn baby. And she was bragging she got ahead in society, got ahead in Hollywood because she killed her baby so she could have that part. And now she's standing up there pregnant with another baby. Bragging about it. Bragging about that blood of her unborn baby. Jesus Christ said, you're not going to get away with it. It's coming on you. And you know what? It was about 4,000 years before he said that. That happened with Abel. It took 4,000 years before God said, All right, here it comes. And boy, did it come. Boy, did it come. That blood cries vengeance. That blood cries payday someday. That blood cries you will answer for your sins. Now turn back to Hebrews chapter 12. I know I've been raising my voice a lot, but I got some, and, and you know, and, and really giving you some hard preaching this morning on this stuff, but I got some good news for you. <laughs> I wouldn't do all that if I didn't have good news, because I didn't want, I, I wouldn't want to get beat up before I left out of here, you know? Some of y'all look pretty mean. So, I'm tired of him talking that way, I'm going to whip him up. No, I got some good news, just calm down, calm down. Amen. 
It's not all bad news. We are talking about the gospel. I do, I love, I do love preaching the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news, and here it is, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. But ye are coming to a Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. How we made perfect. And to Jesus, verse 24, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God's going to hold people accountable. As that blood cried out to God, vengeance. Abel's, Abel's blood cried vengeance. It cried vengeance. It cried vengeance. And our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, when he shed his blood, that blood, it cries, forgive them. Forgive them. Forgive them. That blood of Jesus Christ cries better things. It speaketh better things. Where the blood of Abel says, I deserve vengeance. Jesus Christ says, as a murderer, I want to give them pardon. I want to give them forgiveness. I want to let them go. Abel's blood is crying out, do it, do it, do it. Kill him, avenge me. There's a payday someday. Jesus Christ's blood says, that payday has been paid Amen. by me. Your sin's been found out, but I've covered it in my precious blood. Amen. That blood of Jesus Christ, cries some of the most beautiful words mankind's ever heard come from God Almighty. Forgive them, forgive them, forgive them. Our Lord and Savior on, on His on his deathbed, on the cross, when after they had beat him and spit on him and crucified him, and they did all the, the horrible thing, mocked him, he said on the cross, he looked down and he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And if you look back at the story of Abel and Cain, what did God do? Where's your brother? Am I my brother's keeper? His blood cries out to me. I know what you did. And he forgave him. He should have killed Cain right there. Amen? Cain had it coming. Blood for blood. That's what God taught us. If a, blood, if a man sheds another man's blood, he's, that blood is required of that man. Amen. Death penalty. If you murder, you're going to get murdered. You kill, you're going to get killed. It's an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. God taught us that, but God from the very beginning of the story of Cain and Abel was showing us grace. Amen. A very murderer. God showed him grace. I can't tell you how many times I've been in people's living rooms and they'll say, we talk about this stuff and I show them grace and show them God's grace and they'll say, yeah, God can forgive, can, can forgive everybody, right, Brother Keegan, except for somebody who's a murderer. I'm like, no, no, that's not right. That's not true. God can forgive even a murderer. Even a murderer. And if you read your Bible, and I hope you started reading your Bible at the beginning of this year. If you read your Bible, you went through chapter 4, and you said, well, God, you, show, you were shown by God's word where he was willing to forgive a murderer. Amen. 
who murdered somebody who was completely and totally innocent. Did they murder Jesus Christ on the cross? Yes. They murdered him. Why? Because he was innocent. It was a crooked trial. It was done, every way it was done was crooked. By their own law, it was crooked. And when they nailed him on that cross and were taking his garments and parting it, they were murderers. Amen. And what did I tell you he said about them? Forgive them. That's why the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, speaks better things. Amen. It speaks forgiveness. Amen. It speaks something the world don't understand. That's why when you, people, these really, there's all these different ways to go to God. There's all these different religions. There's the ways of Cain. and They gave you all these ideas of Muhammad. They give you all these people. They give you all these men, but there's nobody who ever died for you like Jesus Christ. He's given his own blood for that sacrifice that God requires. He was that lamb that God requires. But now the ball's in your court. You've got to have faith. You can't see this blood. Do you know I'm covered in the precious blood of Jesus Christ right now while I'm preaching to you? Nobody, nobody in here can see it. Spiritually speaking, I'm there. Covered in the precious blood. Amen. So you've got to live it by faith. By faith, Abel brought that more excellent sacrifice. So by faith, I come to God on my knees and pray and say, Lord, Father, I, God, I don't never have seen Jesus Christ. I believe He lives. I believe He died for me. I believe that blood will save me. Lord, will you save me from a devil's hell? Amen. And by faith, praying like that, God will show up and say, that's an excellent sacrifice. That's acceptable. You say, how can I be acceptable? Ephesians 1, 6 says, To the praise of the glory of His grace, Jesus Christ's grace, wherein He, Jesus Christ, hath made us accepted in the Beloved. Amen. Verse 25 says, See that ye refuse not Him that speaketh. Don't refuse it. See, you can refuse it. Verse 25, see that ye refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refuse him that spake on earth, talking about Moses, talking about Abel's blood, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. Amen. So this is a heavenly thing. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifies the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Talking about heavenly things. Verse 28, wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably Amen. with reverence and godly fear. That's how Abel served him. Abel served God acceptably. He was accepted in the Beloved, because He brought the blood. He's our spiritual forefather. Why should I care about this, uh, uh, preacher? Why should I care about this? Because the very next verse warns you. Verse 29. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to go to prayer. For our God is a consuming fire. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I do stand in reverence to You, Lord, in awe. And Lord, I do fear You, Lord, because I know You can take my very breath right now, Lord God, and Father, it's not just what you could do to my body, Father, it's that you have control of my soul. 
And Lord, but I do thank you, Father, that there was a time, Lord God, when I was around 17 years old, Father, that I, I saw the need of my soul, Lord God, and, and by faith I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, taking that blood atonement, Lord. And Father, and I, I approach you in the precious blood of Jesus Christ, Lord, and you saved me. And I've never been the same, Father, and I thank you for that. And Father, I just pray in, the, in this presence of these people, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit will move, Lord, if there's somebody that doesn't know Jesus Christ, not sure if they're going to heaven or hell, Lord God, Father, I just pray, Lord, that they'll see that the right way is Abel's way. And that the wrong way is Cain, Lord God. If somebody's trying to work their way into heaven, Lord God, trying to do things to please you, thinking that it'll get them into heaven, Lord God, I pray, Father, that you'll open their eyes through your Holy Spirit, Lord God. They can see that that's the way of Cain. That they can't work their way in, Lord. They can't earn it. That you had to die for it. You had to shed your blood. And I thank you for that, Lord God. And I thank you that it's already been done. That I come to you, Lord God, and you don't say, go do this and come back. And you'll be saved that you say, if you come to me, I'll in no wise cast you out. Lord, thank you, Father, for these promises. Lord, thank you for your grace. Lord, you don't have to show us grace, but you do. And I thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. Let's have an invitation, brother. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now it's an amazing verse of course talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it and if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. Same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, 
thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.